0: Hey everybody! Thank you so much for tuning in uh, for this Bible study today. We are going to be going through Matthew chapter 13, in which we're going to look at Jesus as he tells eight total parables. Um, the first four are to a large the large crowd, and then the second four are all exclusively to the disciples, the apostles. Um, and then we're actually not going to finish 13. I'm going to cut it off uh, right at the end and save that chunk to go in with chapter 14, which we will do in its entirety next week, in which we'll see Jesus uh, heal. Um, no, he's, what does he do? Oh, he walks on water and he feeds 5,000 people uh, with uh, a few fish and some loaves of bread. Just that. That's it. That's it. Um, so before we get into 13, why don't you bow your heads and let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you very much for this time that we have. Thank you for the technology that you've uh, blessed me with to be able to uh, do this um, with this space that we have Um, and for uh, Jake and Iron Glass uh, helping out with this. And, And I'm just so grateful, Lord, that you've blessed us with this. I pray, Lord, that you will speak through me and that you will be with everybody as they're watching or listening, regardless of when they are watching or listening to this, Lord. And teach us something about your character, about uh, your word. Uh, We love you, Lord. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, before we open up and start digging into Matthew 13, these parables all that we're going to look at, all eight of them, are wrapped up talking about uh, the kingdom of heaven so before we get into actually reading chapter 13 I wanted to do, to give just a little bit of background on what is the kingdom of heaven so uh, I've got a few notes here so the kingdom of heaven is mentioned 32 times in the Bible all of those every single one of those 32 times are mentioned by Matthew exclusively in the book of Matthew now, The kingdom of God is mentioned 68 times in 10 different books of the Bible. So it's mentioned quite a bit more. Um, So I want to make those two things uh, synonymous, one with the other. The kingdom of heaven is the kingdom of God. And how do I know that? Because Jesus said it. Um, Specifically, Matthew 19.23, which will be there in... um, I don't know when we'll be there, probably January. Um... Matthew 19:23, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. So in the same sentence, Jesus uses both kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God interchangeably. Now, we'll discuss that and the rich young ruler um, when we get to Matthew 19. Um, eventually, whenever that is. So let's talk a little bit more about what we know about the kingdom of heaven slash the kingdom of God. So the kingdom is both a spiritual kingdom as well as a physical kingdom. So first let's talk about the spiritual side. Um, John eighteen thirty three uh, is where Jesus has been um, taken captive and now he's in front of Pilate, Pontius, uh, uh, Pontius Pilate, and Pilate is is questioning Jesus, um, and and he asks him. Pilate asks him, "Are you king of the Jews?" And Jesus responds, "My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place." So Jesus, there the reason why I reference this, this is John eighteen thirty three, is that. Uh Jesus specifically is talking about the fact that he is a king, the king of a kingdom that is, that is spiritual, that is not of this physical earth. Um another passage that I want to read is actually John 3.3. 3. And why don't we open up uh uh to that? John 3-3. This is uh Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee. Um Nicodemus is a Pharisee that um, is intrigued and 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 wants to know more um, about Jesus, and so this um, uh, segment that I'm going to read from um, is where Nicodemus uh, and Jesus meet um, in private at night. Uh, Nick at night. Uh, Nicodemus meets him at night because he doesn't want. Uh, The other Pharisees to know that uh, he is very uh, genuine in following Jesus. He wants to know more. And uh, yet again, this week, I forgot to charge my iPad, so I got to keep it plugged in. I apologize. Um, I prep for hours um, for everything else, but I always forget to charge the iPad because it's the only time I use it. Um, Sorry, tangent. So we are on uh, John 3. Nicodemus and Jesus are having a conversation. And Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, this is three, three, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So we're talking about the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells Nicodemus that you have to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, uh, what, what do you mean born again? Uh, on verse four, he says, how can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus said, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born again. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Uh, I'm actually going to jump down to 13, 313. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then that goes right on to John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that, I went one too many pages, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So the reason why I mention this is because Nicodemus and, and Jesus are having a conversation and Jesus specifically says that to be a member of the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. You must be a believer. In order to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you must be a believer. So, are Christians today citizens of the kingdom of heaven? Yes. I am proud to say that I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. My name is in the book of life. I'm very confident of that. And anybody who uh, believes in Jesus and has professed him as their savior is a member of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I am not physically there, yet, but I am a member and a citizen of the spiritual side of it. So now let's talk about the physical side of it. Um, revelation, uh, it's chapter four. Uh, John, um, has a vision and, uh, goes to the throne room, the physical throne room of God and sees it and describes it. You can read Revelation 4 to see the actual throne room, the, the throne that's there, the angels, the seraphim, the, the etc. And um, we will eventually, the believers will also be there as well um, in that throne room. So there is a throne room. There is a, a, a kingdom that exists beyond this realm, and and God is king of that. Jesus also in the three parts, the Trinity is also king as well, King Jesus. So now there is a physical um, kingdom, and the Old Testament or the, the, the Jewish Bible, there are prophecies that foretold of a coming Messiah that would bring about this Physical kingdom. Uh, two passages uh, in particular for your note takers are Daniel Daniel two forty four and Zechariah fourteen nine. Are two passages that reference this coming kingdom that the Messiah would bring in, that would usher in, that would have the Jews ruling over all, and that um, the Messiah would sit uh, on a physical throne in Jerusalem, um, and all knees would bow. This is one of the reasons why the um, religious uh, Jews at the time questioned if Jesus was the actual Messiah. John the Baptist even questioned if Jesus was the Messiah because there were prophecies about the coming of the Messiah that would be a new kingdom would be set up. And, And the Jews believed that it would be a physical kingdom, that the Messiah would come in and overthrow Rome. And so John the Baptist was actually expecting that. And that's why we just looked at that. That's why he questioned him. But we know today, having the New Testament, that those prophecies were talking about the second coming of Christ and what is known as the millennial kingdom. That is a physical kingdom in which Jesus will come down at the end of the tribulation and he will rule and reign from Jerusalem physically in the temple. And in that time, uh, it's what's called the millennial kingdom, You can read all about it, but uh, um, the lifespan will last uh, more along the lines of where we were at um, back in the days of Noah, where you'd have people living really, really, really long times. Um, The Bible talks about if you die at 100, you're a child. Um, It also talks about the fact that you'll have the lion laying down with the lamb. There won't be any sin. Satan is going to be bound up in that time. So that is the physical um, kingdom here on earth. But then after that is the new Jerusalem, which is uh, this earth will be burned with a fervent heat. And then there will be a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem um, for all eternity. And and that kingdom will rule over all of that as well. So that is... Um, a not very quick, but uh, uh, not as thorough as you could be. You could do an entire talk, an entire series, an entire book all about the kingdom. But I wanted to give that uh, brief little introduction because the eight parables that we're gonna look at are all dealing with uh, the kingdom of heaven. So now that we're a few minutes in, let's uh, open up to Matthew uh, chapter 13, verse one. Okay, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, thorns or weeds. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. That's an interesting phrase that you do see a lot. Whoever has ears, uh, let them hear. And we'll come back to that. Rather than continuing on... to verse 10 and, and, and go forward or go back and explain verses three through nine. I'm going to let Jesus do that. Um, this is kind of a neat thing. He explains, Jesus will explain to his apostles two of the eight parables. Uh, so I don't need to explain it. I'll let Jesus explain it. And so we're going to jump over to 18. Don't worry, we'll come back. We will cover the whole, the whole section. Um, so I'm picking it up on verse 18 when Jesus is talking to his disciples. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Okay, so the seed sown along the path mentions that um, the birds came and ate it up. Well, a lot of times in the Bible, you will see birds, Not as a good thing, but they're actually a symbol of the devil. Um, Sometimes, sometimes not. But in this instance, um, Jesus specifically says, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown on the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. This is a person who hears the gospel and believes and gets all on fire, but as soon as life gets tough, they leave it. Uh, They walk away from it. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Now this parable is called um, the parable of the sower, but it's really, it has way more to do with the soil than it does with the farmer who is actually planting the seeds. Um, what type of soil do you have? That's a great question to ask. Whenever we study the Bible, we need to look at our perspective on it. Uh, Do we have uh, rich, arid uh, soil that is receptive? Do we have a heart that's open to learning new things? Do we have a mind that is open to learning new things? Um, Or looking at the other examples. Um, Bible teachings, sermons, messages. And in this situation, Jesus is talking um, directly to Um, all these curious people now in this group that he's speaking to, uh, the first time that he's speaking, he's speaking to a very large crowd. So you do have his, uh, disciples. Then you have the apostles in general or his followers in general, which is more than just the 12. We don't know how many there were, but there was a large group of believers that were following Jesus. Then beyond that, you have skeptics. You have people who, um, know this Jesus guy is healing and they want to come hear what he has to say. Then you have, um, one step further than that as far as skeptics, you have Pharisees, you have um, the religious elite that um, hold to the law so sternly that they consider themselves to be holy because they are of Jewish descent and because they follow the the rules so perfectly and because of that they are holy and they have very strong uh, pride because of that. So that's all the people that are listening to that. Um, So now let's actually go back and look at verse 10. And uh, Jesus is going to explain a little bit more what he's talking about here. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. That verse, verse 12, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. When I first heard that, um, I always assumed it was talking about possession. Because if you take that out of context, if you take that specific passage out of context, it, it, it very logically, you, you, it could read that a rich person is going to get richer and a poor person is going to get poorer. That's, that's how you could read that. Whoever has will be given more and whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them but it's not talking about possession, wealth, money, uh, material things at all, at all. You need to make sure you read it in context. And in context of this, this is all talking about knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. This is harsh. This is a tough thing to read uh, because what it's saying is, is that some people just aren't gonna get it. Some people just really will not understand. Some people will not have a heart to to accept the gospel. Uh, To those that have that fertile soil, what this is saying is is that those that that have an open, willing heart and listen, um, they'll learn and they'll learn an abundance. They'll learn as much as they want. The Bible talks about that if you want knowledge, all you have to do is pray for it. Wisdom, if you want wisdom, just pray for it and God will give it to you. But this also says that those that lack that wisdom or that knowledge of the kingdom of heaven, what little bit they have, they will lose and they won't, they'll have a hardened heart to it. And this is a tough passage to read because of that, because I personally, and I assume most of the people who are watching right now, we want everyone to experience the joy that we have and the knowledge of the salvation that comes through Jesus. That's the reason why I'm specifically doing these studies is because I want to share that, that joy and that excitement that I have about Jesus. But Jesus is saying straight up, yeah, some people aren't going to get it, and that's okay. And that's actually all the parables kind of deal with this same subject. So let's continue on. Uh, This is why I speak to them in parables. This is verse 13. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. There's actually three um, Bible verses that he is quoting, um, pulling from, from the Old Testament. You have, um, for you note takers, Deuteronomy, 29.4. 29.4. And I'm going to read these all three of you these to you in a second. Uh, Jeremiah 5.21 and Ezekiel 12.2. So I just want to read those um, real quick to you. Deuteronomy 29.4. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a mind that understands or eyes that see or ears that hear. Jeremiah 5.21. Hear this, you foolish and senseless people who have eyes but do not see who have ears but do not hear and then Ezekiel 12:2 son of man you are living among a rebellious people they have eyes to see but do not see and ears to hear but do not hear for they are a rebellious people and i'm going to plug it back in so that i don't lose power and we continue on. Verse 14, in them is fulfilled, he's talking about the, the people who have ears but do not hear, and eyes and, but they do not listen. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. This is Isaiah 6:9. for you note takers. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has come, become calloused, Jesus is talking about the fact that there are all the prophets, uh, that there are so many um, righteous and good people in the Old Testament who have longed for this time, specifically for these disciples, where they can sit in the presence of God and listen to God teach. And we today have no excuse. We have the full story. We have both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We've got the full knowledge of the Word of God, which is very, very powerful to have, and yet... There are so many people who just don't care. They just don't care. And they're, they they have uh, ears, but they don't hear and eyes, and they don't listen. So we already read uh, verses 18 through 23. So now we're going to jump down to another parable. Parable number two, the parable of the weeds. Joy, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven, and that's how all the remaining parables except for one, I believe, is going to start out with the kingdom of heaven, which we've already covered. Is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did all these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them all up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it to my barn." And just like the last parable, Jesus uh, explains this one for us. So I don't have to. So we're going to skip and jump over to verse 36. Excuse me, 37. Verse 37. Jesus answered. Actually, I'm going to read 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. Now we're at verse 37. He answered. The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. son of man is Jesus. So the one who sowed the seeds is Jesus. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. That's us. That's the believers. We are the people of the kingdom. That's the good seed. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun. In the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is so warm and cozy, talking about uh, them blazing in the furnace with weeping and gnashing of teeth. <clears throat> so I want to explain this just a little bit in talking about um, this parable of the weeds. So one thing to mention is the weeds, um, it, the bearded darnel, is the specific type of weed that they're likely mentioning. And I'm going to reference my Expositor's Bible Commentary um, as we read a little bit about that, the, the specific type of weeds that they're talking about. Bearded Darno, uh, and it has the original Latin word, which I'm not even going to try to read, uh, which is botanically close to wheat and difficult to distinguish from it when the plants are young. The roots of the two plants, the wheat and the bearded darno, um entangle themselves around each other. But when the heads of grain appear on the wheat, there is no doubt which plant is which. So the idea here is that you have an entire field and it's been uh, uh, planted with wheat, but the the enemy has come in the midst of the world, or the, the field, and sown in the midst of the believers um, these weeds that on the surface look identical to the good seed. The good seed are the believers and the bad seed or the weeds looks identical almost all the way until the end, right before the harvest. It's the fruit or the wheat, it's obviously not fruit, but the fruit of um, the work of the believers distinguishes the good from the bad. So what is an example of this today? This is where you get false prophets. This is where you get um, televangelists. And I would say the Prosperity Now gospel or the the Word of Faith movement. Um, There's a lot of false teachers that are out there that have so many people following them Um, And and the thing is, and, and this convicted me when I was studying this, because personally, I have a lot against someone who professes to be a pastor, but then is going against God's word. I have strong feelings against that because you are leading someone astray. And Jesus does talk about that. It'd be, it'd be better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself in, in the river than to be a person who leads uh, a believer astray. But this specific story spoke to me specifically um, in that I have to be careful. We believers have to be careful to be too critical of other teachers, of other churches. There is a local church that, that I've been to several times that I can't attend because to me, it just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't fit. It's just something's just not quite right at that church. I can't pinpoint exactly what it is. Everything that the pastor is saying is biblically based, but it's just something's not right. And But this verse is saying that you can't rip up the weeds with the, the good wheat, why? Because that church might be doing good. There might be people who are growing in their faith and who am I to judge that? That's not our job, we're not called to judge. Uh, we are called, the Bible does make it clear that amongst ourselves, amongst believers, if you see someone going astray, um, that is in your inner circle. You are called to um, challenge them, so to speak, to bring the Bible to them and and in love um, present to them. You know, I don't know if you're if you're. Um, <sighs> your understanding of the scripture is correct. Let's talk about this. Um, why do you think that? Let's have a conversation about it. So we are called um, if we spot a wolf in sheep's clothing in your own congregation, in your church, that you're supposed to not just let it go. But it's not my job to say that that church is a bad church because there may be good wheat that's growing up in it. And that's what this this parable is talking about, that that the good is in the midst of the bad and nobody knows, truly no one knows except for Jesus. And at the end, at the end, at the harvest, that's when the fruit will tell. So this parable is specifically talking about the fact that um, Jesus is gonna let false teachers exist and and let these televangelists continue and and have churches that, that lead people astray. Um, Mormonism, the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which doesn't actually believe that Jesus is part of the Trinity, um, that still exists. I would love it if, if we could just get away with anything that is, um, anything that is a cult and that on, only churches spoke truth, but that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, leave it be, leave it be, and at the end of the age, uh, at the harvest... Uh, the fruit will distinguish, uh, and and those that are uh, weeds will be burned up. Um, fun stuff. Okay, so we're continuing on. Um, we are, so we, we read through the parable of the weeds, and then we skipped from verse 30. So we're going to go to verse 31, and we're going to look at the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast. So specifically 31. He told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds come and perch in its branches. Continuing on. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. So let's talk about these two things. You have the mustard seed and the yeast. So the mustard seed, um, uh, the smallest of all the seeds, it's not the smallest of all seeds that exist, but of common at that time. It it is an incredibly small seed. But from that very small seed, um, you get massive trees that grow from it. And in the same way, the kingdom of heaven is like that little tiny mustard seed that is just starting right now jesus is the start jesus is that little tiny mustard seed and it will grow and spread and become this massive tree um, that will spread all throughout the the world that's the kingdom of heaven and it's this small starts out this small little tiny seed and so that you have um an outer growth of the church then the second parable that you have here which is actually our fourth parable is the yeast. And that's talking about interchange and the fact that the yeast of the word of God will work through your entire life and change you from the inside out. Continuing on verse 34, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So what was fulfilled, what So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. That's yet another Old Testament um, prophecy that Jesus fulfills. So now we've already read 36 through 43. Now we're going to jump down to parable number five, which talks about uh, hidden treasure and the pearl. So uh, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. I want you to flip to uh, uh, Philippians 3 uh, and we're going to read uh, seven, passages 7 and 9. So Philippians 3, um, verses th- uh, uh, 7 through 9. But whatever, but whatever were gains to me... So this is Paul, um, and he's talking to the church at Philippi, the Philippians. But, ever, but whatever were gains to me now, I consider loss for the sake of Christ... So this, these two parables, number five and six, um, looking at the, the treasure in a field um, and looking at a fine pearl. The idea there is that when, when you have a faith in Jesus and, and you let it permeate through your life, it overwhelms you. It takes over everything because you realize how powerful it is. And that's what these two parables are saying, is is that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is so valuable that once you realize how amazing and valuable it is, you'll lose everything to keep it. You'll sell everything to have it. You'll even die for it because it's more valuable than your life. Good stuff. Continuing on. Our seventh parable, the parable of the net. This is uh, verse 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age the angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. And throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. <clears throat> Yet another uh, warm and uplifting uh, passage. Um, at the end, when, when all of us are going to go through a judgment, I've spoken about this before, you have the, the great white throne judgment, and then you have the seat judgment of Christ, the, the judgment of Christ. Um, and everyone has to go through that. Everyone has to go through one of those two judgments. The, uh, great white throne judgment is what is being talked about here is that, uh, the net's going to catch everybody and the good fish, um, are going to go to one place and the bad fish are going to go to a blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Our final parable here, um, isn't, uh, doesn't have a title, at least in my Bible, um, But verse 51, Jesus asked them, have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. My guess is that that was kind of a, yeah, in their response. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, It's not a complicated thing that Jesus is explaining, but it is a harsh one that he is explaining. Continuing. He said to them, therefore every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out his storeroom new treasure as well as old. So what is this talking about? This is saying that everyone who is a teacher of the law, the teacher of the law is the old covenant and who is also a believer in the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of Jesus or the new covenant is like a person who brings out of their storeroom both new treasures as well as old. And that is what Jesus is calling his um, disciples to be, is to pull from the heritage and the history of uh, the, the scriptures, the prophets, the law, the Torah, and the prophets, but add to it the wisdom that Jesus gives and the new covenant that's coming. That's what we're called to do today is that we are to not just throw away the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, but we're supposed to learn from the lessons taught by the law, which point specifically to Jesus. And then we're supposed to learn from the New Testament as well. So now I wanna just uh, pause just real quick and make sure that I haven't forgotten anything because I didn't reference my notes for quite a bit there. Um yep 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 Matthew 7:21 through 23 is a Bible passage that we just recently read well not recently uh we're on 13 now so 7 must have been a while ago Um I'm going to read this Matthew 7:21 Not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This study um, of these parables um, shows the reality of how things are. There are people who... um, have open and warm hearts to scripture. And and there is this question about predestination. I, spo- I spoke about that before, about this idea of um, God already knows who is going to believe and who isn't. And they are predestined um, to be in that book of life. But it's still a conscious choice that we each must make. Now, there are some people that the majority actually, um, small is the gate and narrow the path and few actually go through it, uh, to the kingdom of heaven, but wide is the path that many trod on. Um, that is the path of the world. And that's the message that uh, Jesus is giving today that, um, Despite your efforts, there are some people who simply uh, will not believe, whether it's because um, the devil comes up and plucks up the the, uh, the passages or because they hear it and their soil, um, their heart, just isn't receptive to it enough. They like the idea of it, so they get all on fire, but they don't have deep roots. Uh, they haven't allowed themselves to fully be encompassed by Christ and to just let go, to fully surrender, and as a result, when things get tough, um, they burn up. They burn up under the heat. And I don't remember what the other ones were, um, but, but Jesus gave those examples. So if you today are listening to this and you're not a believer, I, I have mentioned this uh, at the end of, of quite a few of these passages. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 make it very clear that um, what you need to do to to be considered a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And that is to profess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for you and for me, for all of your sins that you have ever committed in the past and all the sins that you are ever going to commit in in the future. Jesus specifically died for you individually and for everything that you've ever done and for me. And that if you accept that and believe it in your heart and open up to Jesus, then you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And that starts a path, a walk that is a daily surrender. How do we allow our our souls and our minds to be fertile that that scripture uh, is able to take root and go down deep and grow up and allow us to be fruitful, it's daily surrender. It's daily acknowledging the fact that you can't do it on your own and that that driver's seat, that control that you have of your life, you need to relinquish that. And only then can you truly be uh, allowed and able to be filled up by the Holy Spirit and by Christ. So that concludes for this week. I uh, want you bow your heads and pray with me. Lord, thank you um, uh, for these lessons, these eight parables. Um, Lord, thank you. I pray that, um, that they resonate uh, with people that are listening. And I pray, Lord, that uh, everybody who's listening would be of that group that has fertile soil, that the, the roots are able to go down deep and that uh, good solid wheat stock can grow up that's very fruitful, Lord. But, Lord, you made it clear that, that each of us is going to be um, uh, surrounded by, by weeds and that uh, um, we need to simply concentrate on, on studying your word and having a relationship with you. And I pray that you will grow that relationship with everybody who's listening and watching this right now, Lord. We love you, Lord. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So for whoever's watching this on uh, Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, what, uh, the 23rd? Is today the 23rd? What's the date? Yes. No, it's the, uh, 25th. So Thanksgiving's the 26th. Good grief. Um, (laughs) what a flub up. Oh, well, uh, gotta leave that one in, not gonna edit that out. So, uh, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. I hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, and a uh, a, a joyful time with family. Unfortunately, because of COVID um, and and the restrictions that exist, um, uh, we're going to have to limit it to uh, just ourselves and uh, our pups. But Lexi uh, might get a little bit of turkey. So have a wonderful week. Thank you very much for for tuning in. Have a blessed week this next week. And uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. Hi, Hi, Lexi. We're done. That's it we're done. She says, you're not done. You got to pet me. You got to pet me. No, see, we've got to exit so that the Bible verse can come up here. See, we got to leave. See, now the verse comes up. See, there it is. Yep. And now you can read it. Yep. Now you just got to wait because it's going to stay up there for just a second. And and if they're watching on YouTube, they now have a little video off to the side that they can watch and they can subscribe. Please do subscribe. And, and now we're fading to black.